something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Unbreakable with Jay Glazer, a mental health podcast, helping you out of the gray and into the blue. Now... Here's Jay Glazer. Welcome into Unbreakable Mental Health Podcast with Jay Glazer. I'm Jay Glazer. Our guest today is probably the best looking guest we've ever had on. And before we get to him, you'll understand why in a second. Uh, But if you're like many people, you may be surprised to learn that one in five adults in this country experienced mental illness last year. Yet far too many fail to receive the support they need. Carolyn Behavioral Health is doing something about it. They understand that behavioral health is a key part of whole health, delivering compassionate care that treats physical, mental, emotional and social needs in tandem. Carolyn Behavioral Health, raising the quality of life through empathy and action. Welcome into Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glazer. Once again, I am Jay Glazer. And joining me is, man, you you guys know him from being an all-pro in, in the NFL. You may know him from being on TV. I know him from being like my little nephew, my little brother. But he's a, you know, six foot seven, 340 pound little brother. I've known since I think you were seven years old, something along those lines. The one and only Kyle Long. How are you, brother? Like, yeah, really it's, aw- it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. And I'm, I'm really glad I get to come on here. I go, I have the opportunity to talk to so many great folks on podcasts and they want to ask about football and they want to ask about my family and stuff like that. But I'm glad I get to come on a mental health podcast. Not only that, but with somebody that I'm comfortable with. And I appreciate it. Um, you've always been there for me during those great times that we often discuss, but you know, I'm glad I could be here for you today on the pod and I look forward to the chat. And fuck yeah. And what, here's the thing with us also, man, it's a great thing about our, our mental health podcast. It's called a mental health podcast. I talk about the gray a lot, Yeah. but our job is to put people in the blue, right? It's not always just doom and gloom. And, and I, I think, you know, for what's always connect, look, obviously your dad's always connected us, but you and I getting each other, there's not a lot of people who understand that that we both have this kind of this this beast in the box, if you will, that is what drives us so much. And that's what connected you and I from day one. Since you were, you know, even, you know, as a little kid on, but, you know, later on in life, when, you know, I got to help train you for the combine and, and help you, you know, along the way. And it's just incredible what these relationships do, do at the same time. People don't realize this. 
Kyle moved in with me for me to help train him for the combine. And as a result, his compensation, his pay to me was that he was my son, Sammy's Manny. <laughs> yeah. And I got to use your credit card when we went out to eat. So it was like a great three way, <laughs> like NBA type trade. Like they benefit, they benefit, they benefit. It was great. I mean, hanging out with Sammy was fun. Uh, and I remember when, when my dad presented me with the opportunity to go train with you and obviously you invited me and we're probably beating his door down about it for quite some time before he was finally like, all right, are you, you want to go train with Glaze? Uh, and he was really like, I don't know what's that's going to entail, but I trust that he's going to put the right people in front of you. Um, that was, you know, for me, it was an unbreakable moment. I, I went from junior college, uh, to Oregon for one year and I was a backup guy. And then somebody got hurt. I ended up playing the last four or five games. Uh, I got invited to the senior bowl based on, uh, my performance in those games and the fiesta bowl that I played in. And then when I went to the senior bowl, uh, I, I wore just enough people out to get on a bigger radar. And then from there, I got to go train with Glaze and get ready for the big show, which everybody knows is the NFL combine and the NFL draft. And I just remember being able to brush elbows and train every day and push our bodies to the limit and, and our minds to the limit uh, and do it with people that have an outside-the-box background because we deal with so many football people in that pre-draft. Uh, you know, it's just fucking football, football, right. football. Like, you're like, oh, wait, this guy was a Navy SEAL or this guy was a, right. you know, a gold medal wrestler or a, a national champion boxer. Uh, and you're training with guys who have a different set of elite mental skills. For me, that was an unbreakable moment, having to tap in uh, to a deeper understanding of what hard work is and what a true breaking point is. And obviously, I never reached it because I'm not broken yet. Right. Um, and, and for all the days that I thought I wouldn't be able to get up uh, or for all the workouts, I didn't want to get off that turf after the workout. I'd lay there for an hour and feel bad for myself. I was better for it. And I am today. So for that, I thank you, Jay. And for all the folks there at Unbreakable that were, you know, were and still are um, a part of my life. And at times they've been bigger than they are in others. But uh, yeah, you're, you're massive in my, in my story. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate the two missing discs that I have because of you. So thank you also for that. Yeah. Um, thanks hey, for playing. <laughs> thanks for playing with me every day. So here's the crazy part. So Kyle and I would, you know, we'd wrestle, we do hand fighting. We do this. We basically at unbreakable with this mixed martial arts program that I came up with years ago with Randy Couture. We teach violence. You're playing a violent sport, but we also teach people how to push their breaking points. So everything else is easier. But what Kyle was different. And remember Kyle only played, like you said, five, you know, college games at Oregon, uh, Chip Kelly is his coach. I remember this senior bullet you're talking about. And what I loved about Kyle, and I would try, I was trying, yeah, I'm honest with everybody. And I would always tell these head coaches and GMs, hey, man, this is who you fucking want protecting your quarterback. This is the attitude you want. You don't want some fucking, you know, some Daisy in there who's sitting there letting his quarterback get his ass kicked. This is who you want. And I'll never forget where the senior bowl, right? And you were, I think you were kind of going through some anxiety of just being there. It's such a, a huge stage. And I, just I thought said, I had the flu, but I was throwing up for three days right? just from anxiety. Like, anxiety. I mean, if that's what we're going to, I mean, I was sick, but it was like, I, I could, I, I didn't have the flu. I didn't have mono, but I just like, I couldn't keep food down. I couldn't sleep. Yeah. I was going through it. That's yeah. another, um, you know, a, a moment for me where yeah. it was like my back was against the fire. You know what I'm saying? Like I was on the cliff the and big there, was stage. The, there was the yeah. volcano behind me and it's either you fight your way out of this thing or, or you just end up uh, molten. And I'm glad that I fought, you know? So funny. Cause even before I knew how to communicate the stuff, and that's what I think 
the mental health stuff, my gift is like, God blessed me with the ability to communicate. So our thing is to be able to give it words. That's some of the things you and I have trained physically, but you and I get each other. We could talk about it. So I understood what you're going through, but I, I remember telling you one day, right? When you got back out there, Hey, just fucking be you, just do you and let me do the other part of it. And I'm on the sideline I'm talking to Mike Tomlin. How are you working, buddy? Right? You and working. Three other coaches. And I'm saying the same thing. I'm like, guys, he's the nastiest motherfucker you'll ever see. I almost I had to say, Hey Jay, you're laying it on a little <laughs> thick. I'm in the individual, I'm in the individual <laughs> drills and I can hear Glazer over there yelling at Mike Tomlin. Like this is the baddest motherfucker this you've the ever best, seen. Which you are. He, yeah. bro- he broke my leg. You broke my arm. <laughs> but as I say that, Kyle freaking pancakes the D tackle, pancakes a linebacker, runs over a safety, and the linebacker or safety whoever gets up and says to you, what the fuck? And you go, you're not on my fucking team. And I turned around and Tom and Howie Rose, and I'm like, huh? Huh? Yeah. What did I tell you? It was perfect timing. Yeah, Mike Tomlin, that would have been a fun guy to play for. Howie Roseman, obviously, maybe I would have had some rings. Uh, I would have got to play next to Lane Johnson. That would have been cool, but I have no regrets. All, all these funny stories we tell about training and getting in the ear of these guys in the industry. It's like, uh, it all led to me going to Chicago and I'm a Chicago dude and I got like so much love for that city and I was so glad I got to go there. Uh, I don't have a Super Bowl ring, but what I have is like truly priceless. You know what I'm saying? No, really. And, and it, just the journey itself, man. And people really don't know your journey. People don't know that you were the number one, you know, left-handed pitching prospect in America. Come I on. was one of them. There was a lot of guys who could throw pretty well, but I was. How, how fast were you throwing? Uh, on a good day, I would be like 96, maybe 97. Okay. So 97 miles per hour. I mean, he looks like a bad guy from taking already. And he's Stop. I had hair back mouth. then. Okay. I had hair back then. I was like you a boy. Out there. It doesn't matter. I was like but a you're boy freaking band. Six seven on a mound, throwing ninety seven miles per hour. People don't realize this about you. Also, it's it's ridiculous what your journey is. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun, and I mean, I always say I don't have regrets, but like if I were to have regrets, it would be like I would have loved to have seen the alternate universe where the parallel universe where I got to play baseball. Um, because obviously I went to Florida State to play baseball. I got in some trouble off the field as a lot of 19, 18 year olds do. And my, my route ended up, uh, taking me to South Orange County, California, where I cleaned up my act a bit with the help of a lot of good folks at Saddleback College. Mark McElroy deserves a shout out there, our head coach. He's uh, big at Saddleback Church and getting guys into recovery. And he was the head coach for a very long time there. He brought in, uh, military vets. And he brought in people that were getting out of the penal system. And, um, yeah, he was a good dude, but he knew you could run that nine route. So he was like, come on out and play for my team. And I fit in great there. And when I got to Oregon, um, Chip Kelly asked me two questions. He goes, do you love football? I said, yeah. He goes, are you going to go to class? I said, yes. And he was like, <laughs> come play for us. Um, and we won a lot of football games there and I learned a lot. Um, but it paled in comparison to the learning process of when I got to Chicago, obviously. And Aaron Cromer was my offensive line coach. And he's got one of his offensive linemen, Jari Evans, is up for the Hall of Fame. Uh, that was one of the guys that he had me study early in my career. So I had great guys to learn from, including yourself, Jay, and all the people that you put around us. It was really an awesome experience. Appreciate it, brother. But so, again, what you need, this is what we need, right? Your dad, for me, he's family. Like he, And that's the thing, too. Like People think your dad's so square and this and that. Your dad is you. He's me. He's he is that. He's the original man. We got to try and keep that beast in the box. That 
People, people don't get it. And I, it's I, a daily fucking battle, people. people well, well, I mean, his beast is different. I mean, his beast was he was like a heavyweight champion boxer. Right. He was, he was, uh, you know, you think about the tenacity that a guy like J.J. Watt played with. And he could play defensive end, but he could also play defensive tackle. Shit, my dad could play nose tackle. He'd line up and your at zero fucking and play. Charleston. He's not a Southern California And he guy. was an all-pro at each of those. And, and as you know, you are a product of where you've been and who you are. And my dad was, uh, you know, he, he had some spots that weren't, that didn't go as easily as, uh, yeah. most kids should have experienced. And it made him a tough, it made him a tough dude. And he's such a sweetheart now. So I'm glad people know him as a sweetheart because that's who he really is at his core. But like you said, that beast is in there. Yeah. Um, well, and, and it is, it is with all of us that, that you could be both. Right. So I talk about this a lot. And look, when I am, I think a lot of us kind of talk about what you have, this thing that sits inside you. And we, I don't know if it's an angry thing. It's a, you know, whatever you call this little monster. And it's like a daily battle to, to keep it down inside and not let it, you know, run rampant on the, on, on society. It is an everyday type of thing. And I don't think not everybody's going to understand how hard that is for, for a lot of us, but. It's probably one of the coolest things that we get to do that we, you and I, and how we get to talk about these things that we get to battle things that people don't really see or can understand. And it does make us stronger. Well, I truly believe it's what makes us different. It's what makes us special. I mean, like in, in a locker room of, you know, when you go to training camp, there's 90 guys, you meet 89 other dudes. You're not going to meet probably one other guy that's like you. And everybody's got their history. Everybody's got their family. Everybody's got their skill set and their personality. And it's wild. I mean, I, I, I challenge you to try to get to know all the guys on your favorite team better, like outside of just this guy's a good route runner because they're all human beings. And it's, uh, you know, you get to see the superstars always covered, but there's, you know, like I said, there's 89 other dudes on that training camp roster that, uh, that you don't know. And they're all going through something. I, I'm not special. And I, I've, I'm human, so I make like I'm sensitive. I've got emotions. I've got thoughts. I've got opinions. And what you see is just me trying to articulate that. And uh, I do my best. And at times, you talk about that beast. When I'm on the football field, I articulate it a little bit differently than most others. And that's what makes me special, at least in that business. Um, and now I get to talk about football, and I talk about it passionately. And I think. People see that and it's authentic and I think people appreciate that shit. Mother's Day is right around the corner and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here... We have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy 
and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So when you're, you say how you, you deal with the beast when you're on the field, how do you deal with what, when you're off the field? Yeah, I, I struggle and I'm not able to spar with my guys and, and yeah. um, you know, like, fuck covid Trust me, when Randy Couture moved away and Jay Haran moved away and all of a sudden I, w- I wasn't able to, to have that outlet. How do you deal with that, you know, off the field, especially after your career ended? Uh, it's all about having healthy habits. I mean, we all have bad habits that are fun, pleasure habits. Right. You know what I mean? Like I like to eat a ton, not like way past dinner and that kind of stuff and stay up late. But I mean, for me, it's, uh, it's the simple things like taking pride in what I do and truly I chose something. I'm lucky enough to choose something for work that I enjoy to do. So I pour myself into work and I truly reap the benefits of enjoying it. And when I walk out of the building after work, I take pride in it. And, uh, so that's a big part of it. And obviously my family's, a, you know, the number one thing, but, uh, for a simple answer, I would say a habit, a routine at nighttime, I could play video games with my buddies. You know what I mean? We get on. Uh, we get on a little, uh, chat room on here and we all play Madden or, and we take turns playing each other and we all talk shit. It's nice to have that locker room environment. At the end of the day, you need to let off steam and whether it's sarcastically, uh, whether it's comedically or you want to be mean to somebody, be mean to one of your buddies in a private, you know, forum or be open because they'll say, Hey, why are you riding the salty seas tonight, bro? What do we need to talk about? You know, uh, that's my version of that. And there are nights where I go in there and my friends don't fucking want to hear from me because I'm, I'm in a shit mood. Um, or there's nights where we can't stop laughing and either way I benefit from having a group of people that I can associate with, whether I don't see them in person or not, I get to, yeah go and play video games with him, and it's part of my routine. And look, Kyle and I have fought it out like crazy. Again, he's lived with me for we have. several different years. We have fought it out. One night you're like, I'm fucking leaving, right? I yep. threw keys at you that day. Yep. <laughs> like, you're like, I'm fucking out of here. But, but I've been that guy too. And yeah, I've been exactly. that guy to, I've been that guy to my older brother in the past year. I've been that guy with my dad a number of times. But these are like these are the tribal members, That's bro. Exactly these are right. These are my people. And like, you feel comfortable around somebody 
it's funny, like the more comfortable you feel around somebody, the more prone to you, you are to have, I'll call it for lack of a better term, in my case, an outburst, like I get emotional, you know what I'm saying? Um, but it's also sometimes the people you don't know at all. It's never the in between. It's never people you kind of know. It's like people you love or people you just hate. <laughs> hey, I think the people you love, I know, no matter how much you and I find it out, you're going to come back. You're going to be there. It's not, a, it's not a death sentence. And that's what these, that's what a real bond is. That's what a real relationship is. You know, your dad and I have fought it out a million times. Like, and that's what is so special when you can lean into your people and know, okay, I could have these, these mental health issues, these issues and know no matter what, they're still going to be there for me. That's our equity. Yeah. Yeah. That's what friendship is, right? I mean, it's faith. It's having faith in yeah. one another. By the way, we talk about, we got to tell you probably the funniest story that's ever happened. I was in your gym and, and is before I owned Unbreakable is when we were trained together. Um, his dad, how he comes in there and he's like fucking honey boo boo's mom, right? He's like, you know, a dance bomb and he's buttoning into our, our, uh, our drills over and over and over. And finally I show how I go, how this is why we're doing this. Wow. I fucking hit his, his form with a hammer fist. And I don't know how often you have seen that side of Howie, but the, you know, the kid who grew up in outside of Boston or in Boston fucking goes, why would you do that? Grabs a key, puts it in between his fingers and tries to punch me in the eye. You know, I don't know if he tried to punch you in the eye because I would trust that if he did try, he would have probably succeeded. So I would say he, 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 he hit you with a pump fake. You know what I'm saying? Just to gauge a reaction. Like I've never asked you what your reaction was when you saw that. I think that was just the guy who was not used to getting touched, even as a defensive lineman. Like, you know, some fighters are so good. They're just not used to getting touched. Like you touched him. He wasn't expecting to get touched. And that was his response. <laughs> you were just sitting over Did there. Did you just fucking touch me, man? <laughs> it was one of the all-time fucking moments. I think it's, it's my favorite gym moment. Somebody just asked me a question. See, he goes for the weapon. I would have just gone for the mall. I would have yes, gone exactly. there. Yeah, a million percent. Oh, my God. Brock Lesnar, first four oh. seconds of a round. That's why I would have gone, just sprinting. So look, you know, again, like I said, but Bonds, you and I, we've both been through a lot and you've been through a lot on your journey. You said you were kicked out of Florida State and, and, you know, went from baseball to football and junior college. Talk about that journey a little bit, what you're comfortable talking about. Yeah. I mean, uh, I was a two, I was like a two sport all American in football and baseball in high school. And I pitched and I played first base. I could hit and throw. Life was really good for me in high school. It was really good, but I was, you know, it was, I had the, the blessing of being able to go to a school that was so safe that there was, you know, you could be yourself and, uh, you didn't have to worry about being bullied and, and that kind of thing. And I have great friends from there. It's a great place, but at the same time, I didn't have the foresight of thinking, well, eventually I'm going to have to go somewhere else and take my talents elsewhere. And am I ready for that? And, that, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't. And that falls squarely on my shoulders. So when I went to Florida State, I just didn't have a good routine. I didn't have structure. I had an apartment. I had a little bit of money in my pocket um, for monthly spending, and a lot of it went towards beer. And uh, not, a, not a lot of my time was allotted towards, uh, you know, what was important, what got me there, which was school and baseball. And I made a ton of friends who I'm still great friends with today. Um, you know, I don't know if I would rely on those guys like I would some of the other ones you and I have discussed, but they're a damn good time. I will tell you that. Right. Uh, and I was playing baseball and I was cramping up every day 
because I was probably out, you know, having a good time the night before and I couldn't, I couldn't even maintain my, my, uh, level of performance in the summer. And then once the fall rolled around and football season started, I it was my first time not playing football. So I'm out there and I'm, I'm at practice, you know, taking batting practice and I can hear the whistles and the helmets right on the other side of that left field wall at Florida State. And part of me missed it. And, you know, I was, I was not fully invested in what I was doing, obviously. I ended up going home for the holidays and I had a DUI, um, which was, you know, in, in retrospect, it was a blessing because I had that DUI and I had an opportunity to just restart, just Maybe press restart on the whole yeah. thing. And a lot of kids wouldn't have that opportunity. And for that, I'm grateful to my parents and, um, my whole support system, my siblings and everybody. But, uh, I went out west and I did some time to get right and, you know, try to like detoxify myself mentally and spiritually, physically. And I started going to school and working. I started working a job at at Jack surfboards uh, on the Newport peninsula. I was folding t-shirts and, um, you know, selling sex wax to surfers. Um, I was on crutches at the time because I, I tore my meniscus at the, at the, uh, at the skate park. I was on my sector nine. I tore my meniscus. It was the first real injury I had. I had to get surgery. That was awful. I called my dad and I was like, I tore my knee. What were you doing? I was skateboarding. Um, okay. So, you know, you, I, I go see the Clippers doctor or whatever and I get my knee done and then I enroll at Saddleback College and I start football camp three weeks, four weeks after a, a scope. <laughs> And I remember I haven't played football in, in two years now, three years now, right? You know, 2008 was the last year I played was in high school. Then I went Florida State. Then I took a year off, and now it's been an off season. So now I come back, and I'm like, fuck, I don't even know if I remember how to play football. I showed up. I had cleats and, like, uh, some compression shorts, and that was it. I was like, if anything, I'm going to impress motherfuckers with being big and fast. And uh I played defense, and I didn't go the right way, and I ended up on the bench. I was just backup defensive end for Steve Crapo, who is the head coach now, who I'm buddies with, but he always gives me shit. He was like, you were a liability, bro. I wasn't going to put you out there. The head coach at the time, Mark McElroy, was the offensive coordinator. And he let Steve Crapo have his fun with me his first year. But second year, he said, you're moving offensive tackle because it's just going to work, all right? And he put me at tackle, and it was like, boom, immediately. It was like, oh, football, okay. And we put up 56 a game. Our right tackle went to Florida State, Menelik Watson, who you know, and I ended up going to Oregon. Um, and when I got to Oregon, I rolled my ankle in camp, and I was never really 100%. I lost out to a really good young tackle, a left tackle. So now I'm back up again. And I only have one year of eligibility there. Um, so I'm thinking to myself, fuck, I got to, you know, make something happen. I got to either switch to defensive line or go to tight end, try to make myself available to play somehow so I can get in the league. And at that point, I didn't even know if I, I could play in the league. You know what I mean? I just didn't know at the right. time. And so the, the year goes on and Manu Greg, our, our guard got rolled up and he had a nasty lower leg injury. So we're getting ready to play USC. And I walk into Steve Greatwood's office, the offensive line coach. And I said, coach, I'm playing next week. And he said, what are you playing? And I said, I'm playing guard. I'm starting next week. And he was like, the fuck you're not. You haven't even been in a three points. You know, you know, you haven't been in guard. You've been a tackle the whole, and you're not even, a, you're not even good enough to be a tackle. You know what I mean? Essentially. And Steve Greywood's a great guy and a great coach, but he was essentially like, you fucked off to this point. You think I'm going to, 
And I told all the guys, we, all, it was all the guys and I've played with a few of them since in the league. And we all met at this one house on Van Dunn, uh, that we would all meet at and just, you know, be meatheads. We'd sit, they had like six lazy boys in the garage and we'd sit around and talk shop. You know what I mean? We thought we were real football masterminds. And I told them that night, uh, and they were great guys. I told them, I said, I'm going to stick like when we line up five wide. You know, pregame, the offensive line goes and they do, they run right, they run left, they run straight, but it's five guys. It's the first group, and then it's the second group, and then it's the third group. So I said, I'm lining up at that guard spot. Because, you know, if you don't agree with it, speak now or forever hold your peace, essentially. Ballsy. And, and the guys were like, fuck it, dude. Like, you know, try it. Like, see what happens. And I lined up there and Greatwood looked at me and I looked at Greatwood. And he was pissed, but he was also like, hmm. and he saw that none of the, he was like, somebody else hop in there. You know what I mean? Like, get a guard in there. <laughs> and none of the guys moved. <laughs> and I stayed a guard and I stayed a guard that week and we played and our offensive line played so well that week. And Kenyon Barner broke the rushing record against USC and we ran him out of the Coliseum. It was my first start in college, really. It was the same stadium my dad got to play in. It was a special day. Um, and then obviously the Cedar Bowl invite came and, uh, ended up winning the, the Fiesta Bowl against Kansas State. We lost that year. We should have probably had a run at the national championship. We lost to Stanford. They just were the, they were our Achilles heel. They were the out physical you line up and play a mono a mono type team. We were so athletic. We were a mono a mono group, but they were just built the whole way through like that. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so... 
there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, again, the whole story started with something where you fucked up and you had to overcome it. Yeah. Right? And I always tell people, man, the... The greatest things that I've done, I, don't, I never, and you know this, I don't brag about, I never brag about successes. I only brag about scars. I only brag about shit that I've gone through and gotten through and gotten over. At what point in your, when you got to, you know, I don't know if it was at senior bowl or in college or, or football and how often do you, do you go back and you say to yourself, man, look what I fucking overcame to get to where I am. Uh, there's been so much that has been there to help me glaze so at times i lose sight of the fact that i am somebody that has overcome some stuff and you know put my foot in the ground so to speak in the offensive line uh world we say you got to put your foot in the ground eventually and that's you when you're sitting ground, when you're sitting on a bull around. rush yeah. when khalil Mack runs at you from five yards away and puts his head in your chest you got to put your foot in the ground eventually or you're going to be on his highlight tape so in life the same thing happens i mean it's it's not so much about a bunch of big things that happened. It's just so many little things that I that I did to put myself behind the eight ball. As it's knowing that you can always recover. Uh, the best players in football are the guys who make mistakes, but they recover. Um, that's really what I think. I mean, I saw Deron Bland the other day give up a bunch of big catches, and then he goes out and gets an interception. So that's kind of a microcosm for life, and that's really, I mean. Uh, they're going to run out of, your enemies will run out of ammo eventually. You just keep fucking going. Like, uh, my dad used to tell me when I was playing, I don't care if the sky's falling around you, you just keep coming. Right. And that, that never served me, uh, wrong. It is, it is cool for the two of us also to have been able to lean into the same guy for all these years. And I, for me, for, and I kind of, you know, I kind of go, whenever I have my closest people on these podcasts, my attention span goes all over the place. I too have yeah. a hard time always interviewing. But it's like family. when we hang out, right? Yeah, it's, it's right, it's, but it's hard time. I have a hard time interviewing family. But the coolest thing for me with our family, right? Again, you helped raise Sammy. I adopted my son Sammy, and I didn't know what I was doing. I became an instant dad, and I turned to your dad on how to be a dad. Your dad right, is a dad because of. What he's had to go through for him, with you, with Chris, with Howie Jr., with all that stuff. And, and it's just, it's a level of relationship that, man, it's just incredible, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just proud to have you as a brother, man. It's just, we're really lucky to have, on, we're, we're you know, lucky to have each other and we're even luckier to know my dad and my mom. No doubt. Uh, what people fail to realize is that so many people do really love my dad and enjoy my dad and his personality and his wit. And his heart, and his, he cares a great deal. And you have to understand the impact that my mom has on that guy. Oh yeah, uh, like it's it's a nonstop beam of sunshine into his life. Like uh, he is as lucky as any of us. That's what, um, when I got we're lucky Rosie to have too. him, and he's right. supremely lucky to have her. And when I got with Rosie, I said, "Hey, I kind of want the relationship with Howie and Diane have." 
So I want the same thing. This is what I want. I want that unbridled support no matter what. And that's no matter how much I, whatever it is, I just got to know that you're always at. I will always no matter how you. me I am, I right. need to know that you exactly got right. me. <laughs> and I got, and I got to probably be reminded of a billion times. And, you know, it's just going to be a constant thing. All right. It's just never changing. There's much we want to try and, you know, get better at that situation. I, I still do, but I always lean into her, to your mom and dad. Oh, babe, this is what I want. This is exactly what I want. So I love that she gets to hang out there with them now also. And no, listen, hey, this is just how I'm going to be for the rest of my life. Yes. Um, and there's, you know, there's some days where I just can't match that energy that my mom has. And I'm like, uh, and I see why dad has to take a lot of naps because he's like, you know, my mom has this energy that's just unbelievable. It's like, if you go hang out with her during the Super Bowl week, I mean, you're going to go to four concerts. You're going to meet all the coolest people. Uh, like people think Donna Kelsey has a cool gig. My mom has had that gig for like, 40 years now. Yes, no doubt. Uh, I mean, she was there when the Raiders won the Super Bowl when they were in Los Angeles. Um, she's been to all the Super yes. Bowls. I've heard all the, the the Yelp reviews from all the locations. Front row of every concert you're at at every Super Bowl, yes. She, you know, she's the, <laughs> she's the last one out the door at the Drake show. You know what right. I mean? Like, with security. Uh, my mom's a lot of fun. If you've ever crossed paths with her, you would definitely know what I'm talking about. She's a lot of fun. Tell me the one thing that you outside of football that you kind of look back, maybe, you know, we dream about say, I kind of wish I did this in life outside of football. What I would have wanted to do, you know, when I was younger, uh, there weren't a lot of people that said you're, you should be this when you get older, it was always, are you going to play football? But the one guy who gave me an idea for a job outside of football was my dad. And I remember being like seven and he was like, Kyle, you really like talking to people. You're really good at hanging out with people. People enjoy hanging out with you. He goes, and you like being outside. He goes, you know what you should do? You should be a park ranger. And, uh, the more I think about it, I'm like, that seems like the best job in the world. I think you're going to say he, you should host an outdoor TV show. I'd never, I never saw a park ranger coming. Like if, if, you know, you get an opportunity to go and, uh, experience the great outdoors, we're lucky enough to go to Montana every summer for our, for our entire lives. And, uh, there's a lot of people who don't get to experience that part of the world, but being a park ranger, like you go up to Glacier National Park, you get to see going to the Sun Road and you see parts of the map that people don't get to see when you're the park ranger. You get access to things, um, that, that people don't get access to. Imagine riding out at night when the park's closed with the lights on and, uh, just taking in the sights and sounds. I bet it's, I bet it's an awesome gig. Hey, you and I used to also talk. I started a foundation called MVP, Merging Vets and Players, where I put together, you know, former combat vets with ex NFL players, fighters, because when you lose your locker room, it's hard. And that transition is really difficult for a lot of people. And you and I have talked about it for years and years and years. And, you know, you had that, you, you came out of, obviously you went from transition from baseball then to football, then out of that into broadcasting. A, has it gotten easier as the years have gone by? Does that transition ever go from, okay, it's transitioned, now it's kind of done, now I'm just in this outside world, or do you still, you know, look at it and say, man, I'm still transitioning? We're always transitioning, right? I mean, people ask me how retirement is because they view me as a football player. And I'm like, I'm, we're never really retired, right? I mean, I, I know old guys who are volunteer firemen or drug testers for the NFL. It's their only gig. Nobody's ever really retired. And for me, it's always changing. Like I started this studio gig a few years ago at CBS Sports and I love it. 
Um, I, I get to do pregame there and it's a lot of fun. I get to be myself. Like you, like the advice you gave me at the senior bowl, be yourself. And that advice has carried me through. It's the same advice my dad gives me and, you know, just be yourself. And I get to do that. And now I'm doing green light podcast on Monday. So it's a live show with my brother and that's been a transition. It's like, it's not all, you know, rainbows and sunshine. So we've had to learn how to work with one another and put our egos aside at times and understand that also people enjoy watching the egos kind of butt heads a little bit. Like particularly when we talk about Aaron Rodgers and we have different thoughts about the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. <laughs> but, uh, like last week, one of our members didn't feel well. I had to fill in on a segment on the, on the NFL today, which is, uh, you know, something I've never done before. And right. they, you know, they told me during the show. So I had to go across the hallway and do something extra. And that's a transition. I'd love to eventually call games. Hmm. Um, and that would be something that I think would lend to my personality and you pair with the right person and, uh, you just have fun and talk about what you see, man. And I just remember growing up listening to those classic calls and it was just dudes up there calling what they see. And the, the guys who I really enjoy now, Mark Sanchez being one of them doesn't get enough love, um, over there at Fox. He does a fabulous job. And I know Mark outside of the field or off the field. He lived with me in Chicago. The guy you hear in the booth is the guy you'd hang out with at a bar on Friday. Um, so those are the guys you want to listen to. I'd love to be like that. Um, but I, I know how hard it is, man. You got to know everybody, everything, every week. Um, so the studio gig I'm comfortable with right now. And I think that, you know, you find that, that locker room, that, that was huge. I think a lot of guys, again, and we talk about this, you know, they, A, they finish up and they don't know what to do. They feel like, man, I go, go, I got to race out and find that next thing. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of guys kind of get in trouble. If just, and I try and tell guys all the time, listen, dude, you spilt that blood. You laid that sweat. You earn that cash, chill out, just enjoy life. It's so hard. It's so hard for, for, for athletes to teach themselves how to exhale, but that's okay to exhale. It's really important though, Jay, to also understand that when, like, I, I truly understand that that advice is coming from a good place. Like you, you earned it, take some time, but right. at the same time, what we have relied on as athletes is that structure that's and structure. that everyday yeah. regiment. Uh, and when you lose that to your point of losing the locker room, yeah. along with the locker room, you're losing that 9 a.m. lift Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You're losing that walkthrough that you so enjoy that prepares you for the chess match to come on Sunday. Those things go by the wayside and you're, and you're left staring your life in the face saying, what have I done outside of ball to prepare myself for this? I would urge guys to take time, but I would also urge guys to find a routine that they can stick to during that lull in action in their life. Because once you get away from it, if that car sits in the garage for too long, the wires get rusted, uh, you know, the battery dies, it's going to be a lot harder to get that car back on the road, whether it's physically or just in life, when you do want to get that job. I agree. We have to have that, that structure. No doubt. Like, and it's, it's a great advice also. Like, make sure the moment you're done, you figure out something else to do, some other structure where we have a schedule. Because the first time also in your life, no one's telling you where to go, when to go, who to sit with, who to eat with, who to train with, who to practice with. It, and the world is a scary fucking place. Yeah. It's very scary, especially when you don't have your teammates walking this walk with you. I just, you know, my point to them also, and that's just a great thing, of don't jump out and find the wrong thing. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I got to find something, so I'm just going to... Don't latch on to the first thing humming out. That's exactly right. Exactly right. And that's why I say, man, just afford yourself some of that grace because you put so much work in to allow yourself to enjoy it. We're just not ingrained to 
allow ourselves to enjoy. And there's people waiting for you to get off of the Ferris. They've been watching you ride that Ferris wheel for a long time. And people have come out in droves. And a lot of people left when you were done playing. But then there's people that are waiting to get something from you or ask something of you when you're done. Because, like, he's got time now. Um, So, like you said, don't latch on to everything. Trust your trust your OGs as, as as it were, as it is. All right, last thing, last question. Ask everybody this. Give me your and you may have already said it, but give me your unbreakable moment, the thing that should have broken you but didn't. And as a result, you came through the other side of that tunnel stronger for the rest of your life. That's your currency forever. Man, there's just so there's so much, Glaze. It's so tough to put my yeah. finger on on one thing. I would probably say just Getting my life back together after getting in trouble at Florida State. I mean, I had my life in a handbasket there um, at Florida State. It was all there for me, and I threw it away uh, like we've seen so many times. And how many great athletes do we grow up around? You say, you should have seen this guy, Tommy Mancino from fucking New Hampshire. He was the best running back ever. Or, you know, I played with a number of guys in junior college who could have played in the NFL, and they fucked something up. And they never got back on their feet. Um, and as a result of that, I don't know those guys anymore. Luckily for me, I was able to just stick it through and trust the process and have faith, um, have faith in myself and have faith in, uh, just that you show up every day and you put yourself, you put your best foot forward and good things are going to happen. I mean, the more good decisions you make, uh, the less, the less you have to worry about when you put your head on the pillow at night. You know what I'm saying? Love it, dude. Man, look, folks, you know him as an all-pro offensive lineman. I know him as my son's Manny, Kyle Long, and my brother and my nephew, my family member. And, man, I just, like I said, I, I, I can't honor our relationship enough, brother. As much Thank as you, you think I've, you've, I've helped you with along the way, just knowing I have a beast like you who has my back no matter what, that goes further than anything. My guy, I love you, man. Thanks for Thank having me. Thanks for joining me, brother. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.